Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Bonjour, comment ça va? It's episode number 23 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the only Eric Roberts themed podcast the man doesn't want you to hear. Je m'appelle Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is my Franco fantastic hostess with the mostest, Mr. Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Bueno. Bueno, Liam. <laughs> You're a man of the world, Liam. I, I, I don't think I've, I've never asked you this before, but do you speak any other language except for English? Well, I have a very small facility with Spanish. Uh, I am half Puerto Rican, so I should have more of a facility, but oh man, it's hard. And then I managed to be able to read uh, some languages for school, but it didn't stick with me. Now, I, I, I apologize for saying this, Liam. I've always wondered about your genetic makeup, not because I wanted to judge you in any way, but just because I was curious. I didn't realize that you were half Puerto Rican. Have you ever been to Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah, a couple times, actually. What's it like there? Uh, well, not being from there and having grown up with just my mom, who is the Irish one, hence the Liam O'Donnell. The... That's an interesting combination. Yeah, I, the, I, well, you know, it's called the House of Pain. I basically had the Everlast combination. <laughs> But yeah, so going there, I went there to some extent as a tourist, and it's it's uh, beautiful, but hard to get to know uh, as an outsider. I think I wish I nice. had a connection with my Puerto Rican relatives who could have taken me and shown me all the like the stuff you don't know if you're not from there. You know what I mean? Now you really might know what it's like to go to Puerto Rico. Oh my god, that was my everlast. What did you think? Uh, I was impressed, actually. For, Thank for you. Can... Shut up. Shut up, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> because today we have a guest, a very, very special guest, currently based in Ottawa and soon transitioning, closer to me, in fact, to the great city of Toronto. It's writer, dog petter, and raconteur, Samantha Lapierre. How are you, Samantha? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about Eric Roberts. This is Sunday that we're recording on. What is your usual Sunday routine? Well, I typically get brunch in the morning, which I did, which was fantastic today. Um, today's I sorry to interrupt you, Samantha, but doesn't getting brunch in the morning kind of defeat the purpose of brunch? Because brunch is a between breakfast, lunch, right? It's not morning, technically. That's true. But when you eat a big brunch, it should like last you throughout the day. It should last <laughs> you past lunch. Okay. <laughs> what did you have? What did you have for brunch? I think this is something that we all want to know the answer. Oh goodness! To. I had a three cheese omelet with oh. hot peppers. We went out for brunch. I can't do that myself. Had a three mm. cheese omelet with hot peppers and home fries and toast, but the toast was way too much. It was too excessive. Now you're trying to carbo load yes. because yes. you know that this evening on the day that we're recording is WrestleMania. Yes, it is. And you're getting very excited about watching the WrestleMania broadcast. Yes, I am. Very stoked. Now, the other thing that I want to bring up, and in fact, I'll go back to wrestling in just a second, is 
What are you, Samantha? What do you do in terms of, I know you're a writer. I mentioned it on the introduction to you. <laughs> what do you like to write about? Um, well, I like to write about uh, like lifestyle stories, arts and events, um, arts and entertainment stories. I'm going to be transitioning into some freelance work once I move to Toronto. So yeah, any any interesting stories, any weird stories, I like to do them. Now, do you think you're going to be writing about professional wrestling? I am hoping to make that transition. That would be amazing. There aren't that many uh, female writers who write about uh, wrestling. So that's kind of a goal of mine. That's true. And, you know, our most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man was focused entirely on pro wrestling because it is. Uh, well, at, at the time we're recording this, it's no longer March. It's now April. <laughs> but at that time, we were getting very close to WrestleMania. We featured two movies that combined the power of Eric Roberts and the power of professional wrestling. Uh, and uh, though there there were mixed results, they did feature <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, Mr. Randy Orton. But I want to get a thought from you, Samantha. What's the wrestler that you're most looking forward to seeing on this WrestleMania program? Oh, goodness. Um, I guess I'd the obvious choice would be The Rock. I'm always happy to see The Rock when he shows up here and there in between shooting like really cool movies and posting mm -hmm. on Instagram because he constantly does that. Now, do you mean Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I mean Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who else am I looking forward to? Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a women's match. Uh, it's a three-way mm. women's match. I'm really looking forward to seeing. They're going to be switching that title, you know, from the Divas title to their, they're going to call it, I guess, the women's championship yes, or and women's I'm, wrestling I'm championship. I'm so happy about that. That makes me really, really excited. Yeah, so super. And, and what do you think of Shinsuke Nakamura? Oh, my goodness. We just watched, um, yeah, the <laughs> NXT program last night. We just rewatched it. And amazing. Really, really fantastic. He's the best. Anyway, we're boring Liam to tears, so I need to ask oh my you. God. <laughs> we, I need to ask you, what is your Eric Roberts history? What, what, what brings you here to talk about Eric Roberts? Um, well, I don't really. I, I, I guess I've seen a lot of Eric Roberts movies without knowing <laughs> that he's been in some of them. But the one thing when I was checking out his IMDb page when you asked me to be on the show, which I really appreciate, um, I saw that he was in like three episodes of The L Word. And I was like, that, that, and I remembered exactly who he was in the L word. So that is. Now, what is the L word? Oh, goodness. Um, it was a TV show. Oh, God. I guess uh, early 2000s about a group of lesbians in Los Angeles. Oh, so the L word is lesbian. The L, but the L word is any word you want it to be. Oh, I see. It's got like, <laughs> it's got like a, it's got more than one meaning. Yeah. It was sort of, I, I might be misunderstanding. I remember it coming around at the same time as Queer as Folk, and I think it was. It was it like going for the same sort of tone or something like that? Maybe I'm off on that. Kind of. I I have never seen Queer as Folk, but well, then I don't know. <laughs> then I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but we do know that Eric Roberts was on it for a few episodes. Yes, and he was uh, he played a terrible father uh, to one of the <laughs> characters there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting because he plays a terrible father in one of our subjects today <laughs> that you've chosen for us, <laughs> Liam O'Donnell. Were you a fan of the L word? Honestly, I only watched it a little bit. Uh, same actually as Queer as Folk. It was before I had access to the channels. I didn't have regular access to the channels that those shows were on. So I would have to go back and, you know, either catch it when I was somewhere where I had access to those or sure. you know, borrow someone's DVD. So I've only seen a little bit of either show, uh, but it is on my list of things I'd like to revisit. 
Well, you're going to have to revisit at least some episodes sure. of the L Word because Eric Roberts was on it. Was I right in what I said though? Was I way off, Liam? That they are, they're kind of similarly toned. That's a good question. Um, what little I watched, they felt similar to me. I kind of get the feeling that over time, um, the L Word had a little more gravitas to it than Queer as okay. Folk. But I don't know that for sure. I mean, that's sort of from what people have said. But my experience is too limited to make a determination. All right. Well, we'll return to that topic a little later. But right now, and I mean, let's face it, it's been a big two weeks in the Eric Roberts verse. We need to talk about everyone's favorite part of the show. It's the Roberts Report. <laughs> It's the Roberts Report for episode number 23, and it is jam-packed with interesting content. Uh, The first thing I want to bring up was a recent eBay auction for, uh, I think it was some sort of animal shelter in the United States. And the auction winner, this is very interesting, was able to get a phone call with Mr. Eric Roberts. A phone call. And I I posted this all over my social media with the question of whether I should have um, introduced myself into this auction with the hopes of getting Eric Roberts on the show. The final bid, I think, uh, the final winning uh, price was $250. It started at $200. So <laughs> someone really wanted that Eric Roberts phone call. But now I have, you know how people sometimes when they purchase something, purchase something expensive, they have buyer's remorse. Well, I did not bid. And I'm having lack of bid remorse. I feel maybe I made a mistake and not maybe selling something that I own so I could afford to bid on this Eric Roberts eBay auction. I'm going to start with you, Samantha. Do you think I should have bid? Did I make a mistake in not getting Eric Roberts on the show? I don't think a mistake per se. I think maybe mm-hmm. he should be contacting you guys and he should be he should be wanting to come on the show. I think buying now, is a little now, cheap. Now, why do you think that he should want to be on this show? And and w- before you answer, keep in mind that the two movies we're going to be talking <laughs> about today, <laughs> we might not necessarily be entirely positive about them. I th- Well, honestly, if like I was famous and I knew two guys had a podcast about me and they were making fun of all of the multiple movies I was in, I think I'd still like have a sense of humor about myself and want to be on that podcast. Now that is that is one way to look at it. I mean, you could also think it's actually creepy and weird. Absolutely, that people right because like I have a there's a Twitter feed that's devoted to me uh, by a, by, a, <laughs> by a fan of the show, and it's uh, you know this show is called Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and this person has created a Twitter feed called Doug Tilly is the fucking man, where he really just retweets all of my semi amusing or maybe not tweets. Uh, and I do find that incredibly flattering, and I hope, and I can't believe it's continued to this point, and I hope he continues with it, but I could see that in other contexts, it actually becoming irritating or confusing for people. That's true. Actually, I follow that Twitter account, which is kind of funny, because I think it follows of course. me. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's one way to get followers. <laughs> Liam, should we have gotten Eric Roberts on the show by paying him, or paying, I should say, not him, a cause that he supports? I mean, uh, I think it would have been worth it for you to take the chance. However, if we continue in our situation where 
he only vaguely knows we exist and we never have to like explain to him uh-huh. why we said this thing or the other thing about his movies. I'm pretty okay with that actually. I'm I'm pretty stoked on I mean, I would love to meet him one day and not bring up the podcast and have him not know what it was and I'm just some guy meeting Eric Roberts. Because I just don't know, you know, I don't want to have to be like, oh yeah, remember Golden Shoes? Like, remember when you were in that movie? What a piece of shit. Like, I want to avoid that conversation if I can. This podcast is the baggage that separates us from Eric Roberts. So, in retrospect, maybe not a good idea to start it in the first place. But we made a blood oath, so we must continue. Speaking of continuing, a few episodes back, longtime listeners may know that we covered a movie called Dark Moon Rising, and it was a werewolf movie from 2015, uh, and Eric Roberts is featured briefly within it, of course, and to summarize our feelings on it, <laughs> Liam, make a sound that summarizes our feelings on it. Oh, oh. Yeah, that was the general consensus, is that it was not good, and when, we, when I say not good, I mean unwatchably terrible. Well, Eric Roberts is reteaming with writer-director Justin Price for his new movie called Almost Amazing. Yes, there's an article over at ScreenDaily.com talking about the uh, upcoming production with uh, the actress Asmarie Livingston from the television show Empire has joined on to the project. Uh, it has an uh, extensive cast of people I don't know, but it, two of those people I do know are Mr. Eric Roberts and Mr. Tybo himself, Billy Blanks, who was said to be in Dark Moon Rising, but was not in the version that we watched. Never showed up, just didn't, Did- just didn't show up. Didn't show up. I mean, he's all over the IMDb page for it and and the trivia somehow, but he did not show up in the version we watched. But he apparently will be in Almost Amazing, which is uh, currently shooting in Los Angeles. Uh, it is a reteaming of Justin Price and his cinematographer for Dark Moon Rising. So if you enjoyed that movie, God help you. <laughs> and also... Actually, you know what? Contact the show if you enjoy Dark Moon Rising. I really do want to hear your perspective. We are not here to mock. We are here to praise, uh, except when it comes to Dark Moon Rising, because that shit was horrible. Um, But anyway, we'll be looking forward to Almost Amazing at some point, probably in 2017. Also, another piece of big Eric Roberts news recently. At CroatiaWeek.com, they posted an article called Hollywood Actor Eric Roberts Arrives in Croatia. Yes, a few episodes back, we mentioned the film Someone Dies Tonight, produced by Dream Team Pictures from Germany in partnership with Mind Films International from India and Croatian producers making a horror movie called Someone Dies Tonight in Croatia featuring Mr. Eric Roberts. Uh, And uh, this is something, you know, honestly, I don't have a lot of background in Croatian film or filmmaking, uh, so I'm very curious about how this is going to turn out. But there is this article has a great quote from Eric Roberts, which says, It is the first time I am here. I have heard that Croatia is very beautiful and an old country. So insightful. (laughs) Not likely to be in the tourism commercials for Croatia. (laughs) Um, But let's start uh, over with you, Samantha. Have you ever been to Croatia? What do you know about Croatia? Oh, my God. I have never been to Croatia. I've never uh, I don't really know that much about Croatia, but I knew know Mm. now that it's very beautiful and an old country. It's old. It is. And they are shooting, by the way, in the capital of Croatia, Zagreb, which sounds like a word that's like backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and like maybe if you say it backwards, it's actually some sort of magic uh, word that will give you special uh, movie making powers. Liam O'Donnell, you've been to Puerto Rico, but have you ever been to Croatia? No. And it's interesting because I actually 
I don't know how, have multiple Croatian friends. Really? Um, yeah. But uh, I've never gone. I've actually never been to mainland Europe. I've only been to uh, the home turf of Ireland. Now, now, as we mentioned briefly at the beginning of the show, you're part Puerto Rican, part Irish. What part of Ireland are you from? Well, uh, let's put it this way. I'm pretty sure my great-grandfather came here when something in Londonderry blew up, and then right. he had to come to America. But other than that, I don't really know much about our family and their history in Ireland. I'm pretty sure my family is from Northern Ireland, but I have cousins everywhere, so I'm not sure exactly what part you know my main uh, relatives come from. Now, Liam, I'm from Newfoundland, mm-hmm. and uh, but of course, most people from Newfoundland, their background is Irish. That's why my last name is Tilly, because my ancestors, they tilled the soil. And Irish people are so clever. That's how That's they very used to quaint. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. What does O'Donnell mean? <laughs> uh, of Donald? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who I know, the fuck is Donald? I know that our cr- – I know – I mean, I've seen the family crest. Which is really creative. It's just a hand holding a cross on a green background. It's like the whole thing. There's no sounds about right. or griffins or anything like tough. It's just like a uh, cross. There you go. Your family crest should be one person in one hand is the cross, and the other one is a microphone with someone screaming into it. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> hey, th- this will be addressing to you, Liam. Professors film to premiere on campus. <laughs> Over at the EastCarolinian.com. Uh, over at East Carolina University, the campus is coming alive with the premiere of Through a Class Darkly, a film written and directed by ECU professor Michael Tierno, <laughs> which is actually it, it does actually have a very interesting theme. Uh, he recognizes that he's teaching in the Bible Belt and is surrounded by a lot of faith based students. And he's an atheist and decided to write about the sort of conflict that kids have in regards to faith could be very interesting. Why am I bringing it up? Well, maybe. Oscar-nominated actor Eric Roberts joined the cast, known for his roles in Batman The Dark Knight and The Expendables, after responding to a casting notice put out by a local casting director, which I thought was really funny (laughs) to read. Um, The film follows a girl named Madeline as she enters college and begins to struggle with her faith when a supernatural being offers her immortality for helping other students commit suicide. Samantha... Did you go to a secondary education school place? I sure did. I went to Carleton University here in Ottawa. For those in the United States or uh, worldwide, Carleton is a very well-respected university here in Canada. Now, did you struggle with your faith while in Carleton, Samantha? Oh, God. That is a deep question. I Uh-huh. This is Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the <laughs> deepest Eric Roberts podcast. I don't think I struggled with my faith, and I don't think I found myself in the same situation that Madeline found herself in. That's pretty... That's crazy. That's a little crazy. No one has ever offered you immortality to help others commit suicide. Um, Not that I can remember, no. Liam O'Donnell, I know that you are a man of faith, and I certainly don't mean to degrade that. Or, In fact, you are coming from doing a sermon right before this very podcast. Is that correct? It is true. Uh, my wife is a pastor, so they, for some strange reason, allowed me to preach at her church. Does that mean that she's pastor prime? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you think about this theme of the movie, about this college student struggling with her faith? Well, so abstractly, the idea that, like, People who participate in some religion are sort of, uh, you know, 
kind of cast askew, at least in a more modern Western context, could be really interesting. I'm not sure how Supernatural Suicide Cult quite gets at the subtlety of that issue, uh, especially because it's only in this context. There are plenty of contexts where if one were to be an atheist, such as this particular professor director is, they would be in much more danger or, or be, you know what I mean? Like they would be far more on the end of something you would call like persecution or something. But I, sure. I think the theme is could be done interestingly, especially as someone who thinks that um, within a religious context, the what you actually think within that context could be very uh, diverse. Like people, everyone, everyone just goes to like the most obvious oftentimes the dumbest version of people's right. beliefs and are like, well, that's big man with a beard in the sky. Yeah. That's what everybody thinks. And then meanwhile, when you actually talk to real people, there's like a variety. And I think that's probably true through time that for all time, people have a variety of ideas of what they think things mean. Again, I will be interested to see, cause we'll probably have to watch it. How probably, exactly, we will have to watch it. How exactly the immortal suicide dude quite gets at this theme, but, uh, but it could be interesting. I always thought that films which feature characters struggling with their faith who then encounter some sort of supernatural creature or like the devil himself in, in some context of these movies and, and plays and things. I always thought that was a really weird way of doing it because for me, someone who who is a bit of a godless freak, that if I was to encounter something of supernatural origin, something that was like obviously supernatural, that would actually completely destroy my worldview. Right. It would make me have to question everything that I currently believe, which, again, is usually based on a lot of like logic and science. And, you know, it's just the way that I structure my own universe. But if I encountered the devil trying to tempt me or something like that, then my mind would obviously go, well, if the devil is real, then maybe God is real. And if God is real, then maybe my whole religious outlook should change. So I feel like the supernatural element already sort of influences. It changes it from the reality that we recognize anyway. But maybe in the context of the movie, it'll be very, very different. I do think it's interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing through a class, Dark <laughs> which hopefully will be available at some point for us to watch. Hey, once in a lifetime, just go for it with its noted ensemble cast is in pre-production. It's a much-anticipated dramatic film written, directed, and produced by the multi-talented hyphenate Randolph M. Hirsch. And the film has an all-star cast, including Dominique Swain from the Lolita remake, Eric Roberts in a special cameo, which I know is a special cameo because the horrific-looking poster <laughs> says special cameo by Eric Roberts in it. Also has Danny Trejo. The great Robert Forster is going to be in the movie. And also, this is in the press release, stars such as Lindsay Lohan, Minnie Driver, and Elijah Wood are in negotiations to join the stellar cast. I've also heard, by the way, in negotiations, George Clooney, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I, I love when someone wants you to know, like, not only do we have these people, but trust me, some much cooler people are coming on as well. I just wonder what negotiations are. It's like you call up Brad Pitt's agent and say, well, we'll give him $20 to make the movie. And they'll say, no, well, we're in talks. So that's <laughs> that's how this is working. <laughs> but yes, Once in a Lifetime, Just Go For It, which is a interesting title for what I'm certain will be an, a much anticipated dramatic film, just like this says. The final thing I want to mention on this week's Roberts Report is a recent advertisement that Eric Roberts was a part of. For a debt relief company, uh, I'm going to play a little clip from it. 
it's uh, it's uh, interesting. Uh, there are for those of you who live in the United States or Canada, where uh, we are just getting over a long-term recession uh, that uh, meant that a lot of people lost money and homes, and it's been a tough time. There's a lot of like debt relief type companies out there, and uh, that may or may not be uh, reputable. But uh, one of them is uh, is this company. Let's have a little listen to what Eric Roberts has to say about New Start America. Hi, this is Eric Roberts. Most of you have seen me in my movies or maybe at some of the charity events I support. But today, I'm here to talk to you about an organization I'm really proud to be a part of, NewStartAmerica.org. Did you know there are millions of Americans struggling with debt? Yes, millions. You may think you're alone, but the truth is you're not. Millions are struggling to pay off their credit card debt, personal loans, and medical bills. And if your creditors are charging you 15%, 20%. That's enough of that. <laughs> what did you think about <laughs> – I mean, we're not advertising for New Start America. Um, I will be honest. I was a little surprised to find this show up in one of my searches on Twitter for Eric Roberts. Uh, I, 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 I am not speaking towards the quality of New Start America. But I will say that just taken on the information that we have – it seems a little sketchy. What do you think, Liam? I mean, it's hard to tell. I, I don't want to paint that all these debt relief programs are ripoffs. Sure. Because I, I mean, I did one. Mine was not terrible, but it was more than I could afford working at a nonprofit helping homeless people. Sure. So I needed something. And the company I worked with were saints, literal saints on earth, just mm -hmm. amazing people. But there are probably twice as many that are ripoff organizations and it's really weird to me how they had him start off. You're like, you may know me from my movies, i.e. my life's work, or the charities I help, but here's something that really matters. Like, he, it, it was strange that it's like this thing I really believe in, and that's this debt relief company. It, that Even that introduction made me go, oh, I don't trust this. I don't trust yeah. this at all. That's really what I'm getting at. I don't want to. I don't. I'm not criticizing New Start America. I don't know anything about them. Hey, it's possible that they are like a. Uh, I I went to a debt relief program like a decade ago, and they were a nonprofit. They were about the kind of community counseling that sort of thing. Yeah. And maybe it's a, a similar kind of deal. It's just that in the context of this advertisement, I will admit that like red flags started to go up oh, yeah. right from the start. <laughs> Samantha, what did you think? Are you ready to sign on with New Start America, despite being Canadian? <laughs> um, not particularly. Yeah, the the opening is kind of a little sketchy for me. I mean, like, I guess I would trust Eric Roberts if he said that it was a good program. No, let's, let's not go now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we love Eric Roberts here on the program, but his endorsement is not necessarily something that is going to, I mean, look, that, uh, that weed based programming that we played on the last episode, that's all great stuff, but I'm not entirely sold on new start America. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> okay. I guess that, that is the summation of our feelings and that brings to a close this week's Roberts report. But before we talk about movies this week, our beloved movie starring Eric Roberts, Samantha has to tell us what movies we're watching. What will we be talking about this week? Samantha. Okay, so we will be talking about 2009's The Chaos Experiment, or The Steam Experiment. The Steam Experiment, that's what we're going to call right. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumber name, so that's the one we're going with. And we will also be talking about 2015's Golden Shoes. Golden Shoes. What's Golden Shoes about, Samantha? Oh, goodness. Um, it is about a, a father who is... he 
is MIA and this. All right, we'll come back to Golden <laughs> in just a little bit. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 2009's The Chaos Experiment starring Val Kilmer. And then we'll follow that up with 2015's Golden Shoes. Why don't you join us in just a little bit? scientist locks six people in a steam room and threatens to turn up the heat if the local paper doesn't publish his story about global warming. Yes, it's 2009's The Steam Experiment, a.k.a. The Chaos Experiment, from director Philippe Martinez, who directed 2003's Citizen Verdict with Armand Asante and Roy Scheider and Cherry Springer, as well as 2014's Victor with a K with uh, Gerard Depardieu and Elizabeth Hurley. Yes, this is a director who is somehow able to get quality actors and uh frankly he's not a bad director uh, the steam experiment or the chaos experiment is uh not an awful looking movie it has a strong cast as i mentioned before val kilmer armand asante is in this one as well eric roberts patrick muldoon from uh, starship troopers is in here as well and it's basically and and i you know not to 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 denigrate the movie too much but it's basically like a saw ripoff it's six people in a steam room. It's getting hotter and hotter. They're all stuck in there. They got to find a way out. And instead of having that guy from Saw, whose name I can't quite recall, they they have Val Kilmer pulling the strings and being all twitchy while he's uh, going one-on-one with Detective Mancini, played by Armand Asante. Since you choose, choose, since you chose this for us to watch, Samantha, tell us, what did you think of the steam experiment? Oh, God. Um... Well, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I went into this being like, I guess we'll watch like two like bad movies. And this one was just, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was, it felt very long and it didn't really make that much sense. It was okay. I liked it more than Golden Shoes. I will say that. Well, that's, I don't know how much that's actually saying. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think about the angle? What did you think about the beginning of the movie with Val Kilmer going to the newspaper and saying, I have these people trapped in a room, publish my story about how global warming is going to kill everybody. This is his theory, by the way. Um, now, global warming is an issue. This is me talking now, Doug Tilly. But his theory is that uh, in 2012, the Mayan calendar says the world was going to end, and it's going to end because of global warming. What did you think of his perspective there, Samantha? I thought going to a newspaper was kind of ridiculous, maybe just because I'm a millennial. I was like, why didn't you just tweet that? Why didn't you have just like a Twitter account that was just like saying all these things? Right. But 
I guess, like, yeah, like, global warming is, of course, an issue. Also, did you guys know that Pat Sajak is a global warming denier? Denier? Yeah. I knew that. I, I, Pat Sajak is actually a, well, I don't want to say anything that might get us in trouble, but he is a right-wing conservative wacko. <laughs> Which has ruined Wheel of Fortune for me completely. Um, but yeah, I, I don't... How about the fact that Alex Trebek was born Canadian, but he changed his citizenship to the U.S.? That's ruined Jeopardy for me. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> upsetting. That's like, I, don't, I can't <laughs> tell which one's more upsetting. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought, I don't, I, it was just, it seemed like a bit of a stretch. I will say that. It just, it kind of seemed a bit of a stretch. It, I have to admit, his story, like his plan didn't really make any sense to me. Because even if he had convinced him... To put this as a front page news story, for one thing, it's 2009 and it's a newspaper, so who gives a shit anyway? <laughs> but but it's also, of course, they would immediately print a retraction to say, we only wrote this to stop six people from being killed. <laughs> uh, and and it just it's just a strange, yeah, you're right. The setup just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Liam, what did you think of the steam experiment? A movie this bad should have more of a sense of humor. Um, it, <laughs> or any sense of yeah, humor. any any at all. I mean, uh, you know the the performances are great in my mind. It, outside of Val Kilmer, like you know, Armando Sante is doing pretty good. Like he's doing what he can with what he has. The people in the steam room are just over the top, cray cray, and I love it. Like at you know, Eric Roberts goes from, cray cray. Are you sure you're not a millennial as well? <laughs> I I have some millennial tendencies. It's real. Well, real I'm I'm a millennial. Oh my god! Uh, I, I like Eric Roberts. Uh, his his character goes from mildly charming Southern football dude to all of a sudden just insane person having a breakdown. Um, there's this. Uh, I guess the polite term would be Italian American criminal character. You know, like sorry, sorry. What would the unpolite <laughs> or impolite term be for that? Uh. <laughs> There's a there's there's a Guido character or possibly oh a, a D bag character would be a good way to put it. There's a guy in bikini briefs who randomly humps things. Like literally, they replay him humping the air multiple times just to get the point home. Who uh, just snaps, <laughs> just for no reason, goes crazy and tries to murder everyone. Well, I don't want to. To be fair, it's not for no reason. He does say that he's claustrophobic, and uh, that is supposed to be his reasoning for going completely insane, like, ten minutes into the whole experience I don't, or experiment. I don't, I don't have a degree in psychology, but in my experience, claustrophobia and immediate murder don't necessarily go together. Like, it, I, regardless, the point is is that, you know, even the, the setup of the movie, as we were saying, it's a, it's a weird setup, but... Pretty quickly, it becomes clear that Val Kilmer is not a reliable source of information. So that sort of unmoors the plot. I don't know. I don't know if I trust him. If I don't trust him, sure. The steam room is so weird. They do a introduction to the characters where they do first of all the steam room. Everything is hazy, I guess, because it's hot. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. So there's these visual <laughs> effects are like over the top. It's like they really need you to know it's steamy in there. Uh, they do these introductions to the characters that have these split screens. Then they do like, um, you know, at a certain point, as I said, this gentleman in the bikini briefs is humping things. They like <laughs> replay that a couple times just to bring it home for you that he's not cool. They show you other people's reaction shots, but then in kind of a slow motion. It's it's very, inter it's almost, it feels like a dream sequence almost. And the right. whole time, as I, as I think is important, I brought, I've brought this up, is uh, 
for some reason they're playing the music from Conan where they're where, where the big the big orgy scene and the first Conan movie and it's really distracted me it's not like a version of that song it's the same exact music in the steam room and I'm like what is going on right now uh, and then as the movie progresses it, it it's confusing because again there's no solid confirmation about what is real and then the end just punches you. What little solid thing I thought I had, the end's like, nah, fuck it. And then just, you know, we're up in the air. Who knows what happened? Just to elaborate a little bit on the plot, uh, for those who might not have been able to connect on it on the small, uh, the brief summary I gave. So Val Kilmer has created a fake dating website, which actually pays people involved with it to, for signing up or something. And he's gotten six of these people together, three women and three men put them in the steam room and he's locked them in because the idea is when the end times come, the shit's going to get steamy. Cause that's how global warming works. Yeah. And it's going to get so steamy that people are going to start like chaos will reign. Um, uh, and, and people will start killing each other just like in the scenario that he's created. And that's why he's done this. And by the way, I didn't connect those two things together until like days after watching the movie. Um, and, but the other weird thing that you were referring to, Liam, is that Val Kilmer, as he's talking to Armand Asante's character, he starts talking about the events that took place in the steam room, things that he could only have known if they had taken place already in the past. So trying to save the people inside seems useless, since we already know some of them are dead, according to Val Kilmer, who comes off as completely crazy right from the beginning anyway. So there's really no reason to believe him. There's no reason for Detective Mancini to believe that anything he says is true. Now, Liam, you mentioned also that Val Kilmer, he is not giving maybe one of his top tier performances. Samantha, I want to turn over to you for a second. What did you think of Val Kilmer as the diabolical Jimmy in the Steam Experiment? <laughs> um. Well, oh, he... First, Samantha, what does he look like in this movie? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. He honestly yes. looks like Jason Hervey in this film, and it's <laughs> unreal. And I and I guess from there, like, I can't really take it seriously because I'm like, you're just like Kevin's younger brother on, or older brother on the Wonder Years. Like, I can't take you seriously. Um, oh, God. He's just very twitchy, and I don't think he – like, he's not – He's not very good. He is my like toned down review of his acting chops in this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> not very good. Too twitchy, says Samantha. Liam, do you agree? Is Val Kilmer twitchy in this movie? Well, he's definitely twitchy. He definitely uh, he it seems as if he's on Valium, maybe, or <laughs> he he his he's not giving a lot of emotion. He doesn't seem very interested in what's happening around him. And I hate to be shallow, but he doesn't just look like Jason Hervey. He looks like someone took a picture of Jason Hervey, put it in Photoshop, and then just stretched it forever. (laughs) And it was really distracting to see him this way. Like, not only is he lethargic in the film, but then he just also physically looks wrong. Like, something is just not right with him. Liam, have you ever ever seen the movie Dick Tracy? Yes! (laughs) Well, there's a character... In Dick Tracy. Well, for those who haven't seen the movie, a lot of the villains in that movie are heavily made up to look like their comic book counterparts. There's a character named Prune Face, whose face is all wrinkled like a prune. And there's a guy named Flattop, whose head is very flat. Well, there's also a guy with a really small face. (laughs) His head is gigantic, but he's got a little face. 
right in the middle of his uh, giant head. And that's what I kept thinking about while looking yeah. at Val Kilmer <laughs> in the Steam experience. What, what I was thinking of is is it looked like, you know when someone takes two pictures and then combines them in Photoshop to make like a mashup picture? It's like someone <laughs> took young Val Kilmer and then uh, Marlon Brando right before he died and just <laughs> smushed them together. so that Maybe it was one of Marlon face. Brando's Horrific experiments on the island of Dr. Moreau created this new version of Val Kilmer. It really feels that way. Or or somehow Marlon Brando just ate Val Kilmer and then took on his face. I don't know. <laughs> what a mean what mean people we are. I'm so Val sorry. Kilmer. I love Marlon Brando. I love Val Kilmer uh, in the real genius era. <laughs> 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 but uh but yeah, he does give a very odd performance here i think at, at times i actually kind of liked it especially at the beginning of the movie where i was still trying to you know get a feeling of where it was going and it's like oh he's a mastermind he maybe he's like the kaiser soze ish character right we're gonna find out that a lot of this is like a put on but no no in fact we all we really find out that we don't really know anything because there's a twist at the end of this movie which is so fucking dumb which is so ridiculous <laughs> It's so ridiculous that I actually have trouble describing it because I'm a little concerned that I didn't fully grasp it. Right. The the main thing to take away from it is that two of the characters within the steam room were actually plants. They were – one of them was a, I guess, a psychiatrist and his girlfriend or something along those lines. Uh, And they were there to witness what was going on. And in fact, they are the the doctors in charge of Val Kilmer's character who is a famous writer who is also – I guess, insane and is under their care. That is what I took away from it. It has a really strange ending where Eric Roberts' character, who's been very sane and very kind of responsible the whole movie, he suddenly loses his shit. And he starts accusing these characters of being in on the whole thing that's happening. And the fucked up thing is, he's right. He was right the whole time. And I don't know how he came to that conclusion uh, the movie doesn't demonstrate it very well, but when it happened, I was like, oh, now Eric Roberts is going crazy? That's a shame. Uh, but then it, he ended up being right. Or maybe the whole thing was a figment of our imagination. <laughs> I wish the movie was a figment of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what um, that's what I'm saying. Like, It doesn't make it clear, did the events in the steam room happen and they just were a part of it? Or is this thing a whole scenario in the guy's head and it, they completely lose... The global warming thread. Like, when the movie starts, global warming seems to be the real important part of the plot, that that's where everything is hinging on. By the end of the movie, everyone's just forgotten about it. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. It seemed like it might have been, like, just a fake story in the first place, just to get an idea of, like, the chaos that would exist in a confined space with increasing steam. By the way, a movie that just takes place, like, 90% of it in a steam room, not a good idea. Samantha, what did you think of the ending of the steam experiment? Um, I thought it was, well, it, it seemed kind of cheap. Like, I had just sat through this thing, and then it was actually an inside job the whole time. I thought it was pretty, I, I, and I was confused by it as well, actually. Um, not the best ending. In Yeah, yeah no, not very good. There's a part of the movie where there's a door to the steam room, of course, Ugh. that is stuck. No one can open it. They're slamming against it. But there's a small window in this door that they manage to break. And one of the characters, what they decide to do is take the character, I guess, with the smallest head, one of the women, and they pick her up and they put her head outside this window. And despite the fact that she sees someone who has a nail gun in their hand, <laughs> they just like keep her there until she gets like blasted in the face with a bunch of nails and gets killed. But one in the process of this, Patrick Muldoon's character, Christopher, he gets a nail right through his hand. 
and it gets severely injured. Spoiler alert, he's one of the people who was involved in making all of this happen. I guess that's one way to throw people off the scent, getting a horrific injury that could actually end up being, like, I mean, if not life-threatening, at the very least, hand-threatening. Very strange. I guess it was supposed to throw the audience off the scent that he was involved. But one of the things about movies like this, which have, like, a very, like, three or four well-known faces and then a bunch of other people, is that if one of those faces are not heavily involved in the plot, you know that they're going to be connected to the ending because why else are they there, right? <laughs> I do. I see that in low-budget movies all the time, right? It's, it's like we have this actor. He doesn't seem to be doing much, so he's going to be part of the big twist. And yes, Patrick Muldoon yeah. was the psychiatrist the whole time. Uh, I didn't enjoy the Steam no. experiment very much. I, I, I will say that I enjoyed the first half more than the second. I thought Armand Asante is actually really good in it, even though his character – who is the only one who believes that Val Kilmer's protestations have any validity to them at all, his character doesn't really go through a transformation because he doesn't discover the twist at the end. No, he has he no idea. He just, he's just sure he's right with no evidence whatsoever. <laughs> and in fact, and his boss, like you're supposed to think, oh man, his boss wants him to stop looking at this case and move on to something else. And we're supposed to be like, no, stick with it. You're going to find out what, what, this, what the truth of this is. And really, at the end, it seemed like Armando Sande wasted like hours and hours of his day off. Yes, <laughs> like that's it. It's Armando Sante wastes his day off. His boss was right the whole time. <laughs> and even in the context of the ending, it's not like he could have done anything about it. So very, very strange. Maybe there was some movement. Maybe some changes in the script at some point. By the way, the budget for this film seven million dollars. Apparently filmed, uh, taking advantage of economic incentives for filming in the great state of Michigan. Uh, And they set the story in Grand Rapids, Michigan to take uh, advantage of that. Though I didn't pick up that it really took place in Michigan outside the fact that I'm reading this right now. And in fact, this movie had a limited theatrical release playing to small audiences. (laughs) No shit. On two screens for one week in Grand Rapids and for one week in nearby Lansing. I have an affinity for Michigan because I grew up in Newfoundland, as I mentioned before, and our affiliates for NBC, CBS, and ABC were all Michigan affiliates. So my viewpoint growing up in 1980s Newfoundland and watching a lot of Detroit news was that the United States was a war zone. At <laughs> any moment. Uh, you just were waiting for Robocop to show up at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just the perspective i ended up getting can we can we but, talk for one second about this the anxious writer character yes uh i because i actually found her i mean you know eric roberts great uh the other characters were pretty good but i actually liked her a lot and she comes to such an unfair unjustified end that the more i thought about it the more it kind of bummed me out Elaborate a little more on this character. It's one of the people in the steam room. Uh, yeah, she's in the steam room. She, we are treated to the scene. Everyone's sort of giving an introduction. And she's immediately a mess. Like, she just is like, uh, her life is horrifying, and she has all this anxiety, and she goes to the therapist twice a day, I think she said. Frankly, she's very similar to most of the people I follow on Twitter. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So she's dealing with a lot. And right at the moment where... Uh, things have gotten pretty bad. I mean, multiple people are dead. So it's not like we want her to have an upbeat look, but she just grabs a shard of something, ceramics, whatever, tile, and just gets her throat, just, you know, brutally. uh, Not very brutal in the sense of special effects. I don't, you know, $7 million didn't go to that cutting, throat cutting scene, but (laughs) but she, she just ends herself. And it's not, I mean, yes, we were introduced that she has some sort of, 
anxiety issues early on. And I found her kind of endearing in that, like the, her performance. I liked her performance and, you know, whatever. But the transition from her anxiety to cutting her own throat was so sudden and unjustified. It like kind of bummed me out. <laughs> I mean, we have to mention that in between the introduction and the suicide, she did end up killing our Guido character. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, she was the one who he was attacking one of the other women in this uh, in this room. Uh, no one knew what to do. He was really, really intense. And she grabbed a sharp something and stabbed him in the back, killing him. So I think the idea is that the grief was overwhelming for her, combined with her anxiety, combined with the situation, ended up with her really brutally <laughs> killing herself. I suspect that maybe the other female character, she was a university student who was visited by a supernatural entity that maybe she was whispering to her <laughs> to convince her to kill herself. <laughs> That's a little side movie I put together. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that you you filled in the gaps that way. <laughs> Samantha, what did you think of this character's end or this character in general? I liked her. I, I thought she was one of the more tolerable characters. Um, her ending was like, that was really upsetting. Um, maybe more upsetting than the nail gun um, in the face for the other character. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I could sympathize with her a lot. I thought she was great. So it was kind of upsetting to see her have just like a really tragic ending, I guess. The character she was trying to save at that time is sort of a sexy badass. She's like a lady who doesn't – like she doesn't – she especially doesn't like this uh, Italian-American character because he's an asshole and you can't blame her for that. But she also <laughs> – she, she like – she takes off her top and walks around. And the idea is I think that the men in the steam room are like shocked by her display of sexuality and also you know aroused at the same time. But the movie does this weird thing where it just lingers on her breasts for like – ages like so a long. really extended period of time to the point where it started to make me really uncomfortable <laughs> i was like what is this movie trying to say are we the bad guys are we locked in the steam room <laughs> having to witness this as well um that character also uh, as we mentioned with the nail gun did not get the most pleasant end I, I thought what this movie was trying to get to was sort of like a cube type uh deal where you know you have disparate personalities one of them is a little unhinged and things just get ramped up slowly over the point of them you know kind of figuring out what's going on and and increased confusion but i think the problem i had mostly with it is that characters are pitched so high right from the beginning and like they're, they're the the conflict happens so immediately that even the theory that uh that val kilmer's character has that people will start to lose it and chaos will reign in this increased global warming it doesn't really fit in with these characters because most of them are so damaged right from the beginning. It's like that classic argument with uh, with The Shining that that the film version isn't as scary as the book because Jack Nicholson is so obviously crazy right from the opening scenes. And that is the only time you will hear someone compare The Shining <laughs> to the Steam. <laughs> but let's talk about Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts plays, as you mentioned, Liam, a ex-football player. Uh, he is the voice of reason for most of the movie and eventually then loses his shit. Once he loses his shit, actually, his performance uh, gets really interesting as well. He uh, he almost becomes um, uh, very pessimistic and like because he, he, he realizes that they're in on it, or at least that's what his, his – he thinks he realizes. Uh, and that they're actually trying to actively kill him as well, putting his hand in this hole that might uh, lead to some sort of – uh, weird attack or electricity. Samantha, what did you think of Eric Roberts in the Steam Experiment? I thought he was great. Um, his character was very charming at the beginning, although he has that line where they're saying their likes and dislikes, and he says <laughs> that he likes Viagra, but he doesn't like that he has to use it. So, like, oh, that's kind of strange. That's how I feel about debt relief. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, but yeah, no, he, he, I would say I, I really enjoyed his performance. Yeah. And especially near the end where he kind of put two and two together and was yelling constantly in the steam room. It was, it was very exciting to watch. He just sits there in like a, like a, a small pool that they have yeah. in, in this place. I I like that, like that part where he's like, um, he's very cynical and he's like, we're all going to die. And he's like, but the pool, because they have the filters on the camera, it looks like the pool is filled with blood oh. at that point. Yeah. It looks really strange. I, I, I will say that I thought, I thought that part was kind of effective. What did you think Liam of Eric Roberts in this movie? I mean, he's the best. It's pretty clear he's the best part for me in many ways. I mean, I guess I could take a cynical view that, though I made fun of it, I really enjoyed Val Kilmer's performance because it was like, it, it was almost like he didn't know what movie he was in, and I found that really <laughs> amusing. But honestly, like, uh, though I, I, I particularly pointed out the the writer with anxiety issues and how she was endearing, you know, Eric Roberts' freak out at the end really gave him a chance to, like, do you know the crazy Eric Roberts thing? It's not necessarily his only thing. I like you know I, I appreciate when he has a chance to do some real acting too. But him freaking out is one of my favorite things. So getting a good chunk of that was pretty cool. Now I can't remember the guy from Saw's name. What's the character from Saw? Liam was his name Sawbones? No, 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 no. Wheelie Puppet? No, 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 no. What is his name? Skull hair? No, god damn it! <laughs> no, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, oh, fuck! It's like on the tip of my tongue, and I can't get there because I keep thinking of all your goofy names. It's all right. We'll just sit here until you figure it out. No, shut up. We're not going to do that. Saw. Well, I mean, I think it's clear that this movie was somewhat influenced by Saw. It does seem to have that kind of, uh, especially the idea that the person who is perpetrating the whole thing is disconnected and is pulling the strings. But yeah, I did find the ending of it to be so frustrating. But I will agree with the both of you that Eric Roberts gives a perfectly strong performance here. It is kind of weird to see him as part of kind of this he does fade to the background for a lot of the plot, but I was glad that he what he was one of the final survivors, and in fact, the only survivor not in on it. So he got a chance to emote a little bit and to do a little bit of that craziness that we know and love from him. But that does bring us to the question, the very theory of this very podcast, which is that Eric Roberts, is he or is he not the fucking man in 2009's The Steam Experiment? Starting with you, Liam, Eric Roberts, fucking man or no? Definitely fucking man. Very clear, concise answer from Liam. Samantha, what do you say? I absolutely agree. He's the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man, says Samantha LaPierre and Liam O'Donnell. I will concur. Eric Roberts in 2009's The Steam Experiment is the fucking man. Him and Armand Asante, in fact, are the fucking men in this movie. Both of them acquit themselves quite well. I apologize for focusing so heavily on the male actors in this movie. I don't mean to suggest that the female actors are like a side note. I'm actually glad that Liam focused a little bit on one of the uh, the actresses who, who gives a little bit more of an interesting performance. I say that <laughs> while not having her name in front of me of either her character or her herself. But I will, of course, uh, link everything in the show notes if you want to find out a bit more about the STEAM experiment. But that's it. That's all we have to say. We need to take a little break. And you're not going to miss what's coming up next, folks. When we return, we will talk about the inspirational soccer movie, Golden Shoes from 2015 with Montel Williams, John Rhys Davies, Vivica A. Fox, and Eric Roberts. Return with us in just a moment. (laughs) 
lights Taking you nowhere Life's begun, nights are warm and the days are young With his father MIA at war and his mother critical in hospital, a young boy consoles himself with dreams of playing in the youth soccer league. To do so, he must overcome the adult deception, the bullying, and his solitude. Yes, it's the inspirational soccer nepotism classic, Golden Shoes from 2015, directed by Lance Kawas, starring Christian Koza and produced by his father. And the story was written by his father. Also featuring David DeLuise as his coach, John Rise Davies as the angry neighbor, Bert, Vivica A. Fox as a friendly nurse, and John Wesley Shipp, from the original Flash television series from the early 90s as the President of the United States, Montel Williams as the magic Mr. Mercury, (laughs) and Eric Roberts as the neighbor Frank, the evil bastard, who is by far the best part of Golden Shoes, which might be the most ridiculous movie we've ever covered here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And for people who've listened to this show, that is saying a lot. Samantha, why did you make us watch Golden Shoes? Oh my God. I actually don't know why I did, to be honest with you. It was a huge (laughs) mistake. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Again, I was going on the theory, well, I'll pick some like terrible movies and it'll be really funny and instantly regretted it as I made my way through Golden Shoes. Terrible. No reason to regret it because this is a movie that I I feel like I've talked about more in the past week than almost any movie I've watched in 2016. (laughs) I just wanted to grab people on the street and say, have you seen Golden Shoes? You got to see Golden Shoes. (laughs) It is crazy. It's a sad movie to watch in some ways because it's lead child actor, Christian Koza, who plays Christian LaRue, the soccer maniac here in Golden Shoes, is awful. And I don't want, I don't mean to tear into a child actor, and especially one like this who feels like it, just watching it, you know he's been forced into being in this movie by his dad or uncle or something, that he's got so su- such small screen charisma that... All the everyone around him seems like that they have to kind of like pitch it up all the more and and pitch see it looks like in soccer, um, and 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 everyone seems to be flailing and it's only Eric Roberts keeping things together by just being the biggest asshole he can be to this kid <laughs> at all times. Just to elaborate before I go over to Liam's thoughts on the movie, so this kid, his dad's MIA in Afghanistan. <laughs> Sorry, his mother is uh you know basically raising him as a single mother she gets in a car crash because she hears her uh, on the phone that her husband is MIA and immediately gets smashed by a car she sends her son to go live by with the neighbor played by Eric Roberts that everybody hates including the kid including her who seems totally creeped out by him Eric Roberts brings him to a shoe store to buy him a pair of soccer cleats is an asshole says that well, let's get the cheapest pair we can find and like like a free would be even better and Montel Williams gives this kid a golden, dirty pair of golden shoes that end up being magic that allow him to have great soccer skills. He t- and just to give a really quick summary of, the, of what happens from there, he's great at soccer. He goes from sitting on the bench to being the starting guy. He somehow gets like scouted by a national team. He, his father, is found by the president of the United States. He becomes the front page news of every paper in the country. Everyone loves him. He 
then discovers at the very end, after Eric Roberts locks him in a basement and tries to steal his shoes, that he didn't need the shoes all along. He was actually just the best soccer player in the world. He's actually just amazing and can do no wrong because he's kid Jesus on the fucking field. And he is he is literally everyone is bowing to him the whole fucking movie because he's the perfect, perfect child. Christian, you're so great. Oh, my goodness. Liam, what did you think of Golden Jews? I think this was just bad enough that I started to enjoy it. Uh, it's a horrible film. I mean, it's it's not it. I actually felt like this was a film made by someone who hates children because it really comes across like someone's like, eh, fucking kids won't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll just do for this part that we didn't get. We'll just see. We'll just green screen it. Doesn't matter. Uh, let's see what's funny. Oh, you know what's funny? Fat kids are funny. We'll just have a fat kid who eats candy bars out of his underwear and farts all the time. <laughs> That'll be cool. Oh. And uh, You know what this movie is about bullying and how awful bullying is. It is. Let's have a fat kid who we constantly mock yeah. for eating chocolate constantly. Well, and let's be clear too. What Eric Roberts does is not bullying. It feels like a form of kidnapping and harassment. <laughs> it's not, he's not a bully really. And then the way they justify his behavior is like, well, his wife's dead. So that's what yeah. happens when your wife So dies. he's become so bitter he's going to steal some magic shoes lock this kid away by the way the thing i didn't mention is that so his mother is constantly calling from the hospital because even though she's all broken up with undetermined injuries she wants to talk to her son and she calls and he refuses to pick up or he says that that uh christian isn't home so he doesn't get to talk to his mom or visit her at all and she doesn't seem to be that bothered by it even as she is passed newspapers by the nurse Front page stories about this kid being the new fucking Allah of soccer. It is so crazy. It they there are so many layers to the weirdness in this movie. There's okay, so uh you mentioned the newspapers. The newspapers look as if they were designed by someone who's never actually seen a newspaper before. And uh even the 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 titles of the newspapers, the head the way the headlines are written, the fact that on the one cover story the other big news of the day is that there's a new animal at the zoo. Nothing about the newspapers makes sense. What exactly is the one? We get a shot of one yeah. of the headlines. What does it say? Do you have it? Yeah, I was obsessing about it while we were watching the movie. Because what happens is they show this headline. They show a newspaper reporter who's like, oh, my God, this kid is so amazing. We got to make him front page news. And then they show him in the newsroom showing the newspaper. And we just see it for a second. And it says, as the headline what a comeback and it's what a w-h-a-t-a apostrophe comeback two words what a comeback local boy wonder does the impossible exclamation point and then and then two giant pictures of the kid kicking a soccer ball underneath it front page news yeah and what's great is then we see the newspaper the same one again in his mother's hands because she gets she doesn't hear she doesn't know what's going on and the, the nurse passes her <laughs> This newspaper, which looks, we get a big close-up of it. It looks even more ridiculous. Tons of white space on the sides of this headline, right? Uh, and then later, we get a whole series. Like, they put, uh, they do this thing to show how popular he is by, like, tossing different newspapers on a on a table, one after the other. And all the headlines have the exact same font, right? Christian LaRue, the golden boy, does it again. Yeah. Motor City Daily News. <laughs> The other one's catch him if you can. Christian LaRue is magical. Even college scouts are amazed. <laughs> and and that's another thing about this movie, by the way. The idea of this national team scout who is scouting this 10-year-old 
<laughs> who who up the so he gets the golden shoes in one game he scores like three goals and he's like an amazing football slash soccer player right sure and and so the team coach who had, who had benched him the entire rest of the goddamn season he calls his friend who's like a scout to come see this kid <laughs> but he's a scout for the for the youth team Yes. The United States doesn't have a national youth soccer. We don't even have an organized youth pro. Like, if your local team is good enough that you're beating all the other teams, there's no next step. There's not a higher level. There's no national gathering. Nothing. All of a sudden, the movie just assumes all these things about youth soccer that I'm like, what are you even talking? What's going on in this movie right now? And and up to that point, I mean, let's face it, soccer. Uh, that's it's a Beautiful sport. <laughs> it's the sport of kings. <laughs> but its popularity in the United States has always been slightly questionable, even though it's increased in popularity. Uh, but the idea of these 10-year-olds filling a stadium full of people stadium. to watch them play. Full... Now, we'll get to this in just a second. But this stadium, this full stadium, is <laughs> put upon the screen using camera and special effects trickery. <laughs> Not... Not what they do in some movies where they have like a number of extras and they'll fill like a part of the stadium and put them in the background so it looks like there's more people than there actually are. They use computer effects to have looped people in this, right? So they're all like green screened into the stands and they're just doing the same motions again and again. I posted an animated GIF and I'll put it in the notes of the show. Which is right near the end of the movie, where there's a character in the background raising their arms, and you can see kind of the loop frame where they go back to sitting and putting their arms back up again. (laughs) It is incredible it's, a, it's about sega cd level like if you were playing a soccer game on <laughs> sega cd this is what it would look like it's that bad it's it looks like wwf no mercy the video yes game it really does oh my god <laughs> where everyone's sort of two-dimensional we... samantha yes what did you think of the <laughs> the lead character oh. of golden shoes what did you think of this little boy who just wants the world to love him. Oh, so awful. He, like, he mumbles. He can't, like, oh, it's just so terrible. It's, like, the it's awful acting. It's just... Oh, you're bullying him now? I know. I'm a huge bully. Uh, God, he's just, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's really sad because, obviously, like, I'm going to assume that he was kind of, like, forced to do the movie. But, like, God, yeah, no, not, not the best not the best he's not going to become like macaulay calkin or something like not very good <laughs> oh you say that samantha but i have heard a little bird has told me that golden shoes 2 is in the works starring christian Coza, so you can keep your eyes and ears out for that <laughs> up to this point eric roberts has not been cast in golden shoes 2 but we can only hope that he shall return fingers crossed uh, yeah fingers toes crossed for that there uh we didn't really mention john rise davies who uh, uh characters characters uh, John Rhys Davies, who listeners of the show would know likely from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, the uh, Lord of the Rings movies where he played Gimli, and and the television show Sliders. John Rhys Davies, of course, has done lots and lots of work. In this movie, he plays an angry neighbor, not Eric Roberts' angry neighbor. He's a different angry neighbor. <laughs> He's a more sympathetic one who loves his flowers and hates when children kick their soccer balls into his flowers. Now, Liam, I, my understanding is that you were very sympathetic not to John Rhys Davies' character, but to the character kicking soccer balls into his flowers. Well, yeah, I mean that's just life with a kid next door. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, dude has a giant fence. He's that so he's so cranky. It's just he's irrational. 
every adult is weird in the movie, period. Like, there's <laughs> no normal adults in the whole fucking film. But here's the thing. What I found confusing was not that he was so cranky, because that's sort of his role is like, He's the cranky old man neighbor who actually turns out, surprise, has a heart of gold. You just didn't know. He's cranky towards immigrants in real life. Yeah, it's true. But I guess, I mean, the film kind of vaguely suggests he has some sort of trauma with soccer. Like, he has like, but they never really explain it enough for you to understand. But here's the thing even with cranky neighbor, I would leave my kid with cranky neighbor, which, by the way, is a much more heartwarming film than. Trying to bang the soldier's wife, total psychopath Eric Roberts in this movie, who's actually insane. Like, he's not, nothing about him makes you think, like, yeah, he, he'll be a good caretaker. He's keeping the kid in his basement, uh, Eric Roberts' character, and, like, sneaking down there to try to steal his shoes while he's sleeping or, or whatever. You're right. It seems like the different movie, the other movie, is John Rhys Davies' character, who was a soccer star because he has all these trophies, sure. who who then had some sort of traumatic incident, and the kid, you know, he hates the kid even practicing soccer because of it, and they have to form a connection that allows him to teach the kid how to be better at soccer, which he then earns through hard work and determination rather than a pair of golden magic shoes. <laughs> and- <laughs> which, by the way, the shoes, I guess, didn't do anything. I guess Montel Williams isn't magic Mr. Mercury at all. <laughs> He's just... Here, kid, take these shitty shoes. And that's that was his whole deal because he, it, he, the power was inside him all along. He is, though. Like, this is, this is, uh, I mean, I, going back to what you said, I, I think in that movie, Eric Roberts could still be the villain, too. We don't need a villain who, right. like, literally lives above the kid. But he's the, he's the guy because in this movie, he sponsors the soccer team and he keeps, he keeps saying he's going to pull the sponsorship if they keep letting this kid play, yeah. which I can't imagine. Like, even during the last game of the season, which somehow is now in the National League with the same kids who all suck, by the way, <laughs> except for except for Christian, including the, the fat uh, kid who's uh, playing goal, who apparently is so terrible, like, he can't even move to the left to <laughs> stop a soccer ball. But yeah, so you're right. Eric Roberts could totally still be the villain there. But I, I have to ask you guys, uh, you know, with the shoes... The the logic of the shoes doesn't make sense, and it occurred to me in the way that they have the scene. They specifically include a scene where he takes the shoes off, and then he can't play soccer. And then when he doesn't have the shoes later, all of a sudden he can play soccer, which is a common thing in these movies, only there's usually some exposition to explain it. And there's just none. Just all of a sudden he can do it. That's just the way it is. And fuck it. That's just how it is. The other thing I found confusing and I wanted to hear what you guys thought about this was, you know, there's only three African-American people in this whole movie. One is a kid on the team. The other two are magic. Like, it's just weird to me. It's, you know, that whole stereotype is they needed two in this movie for the movie to work. And that just is strange to me. Well, there's also, of course, an Asian-American woman who gets to speak Chinese briefly so everyone can look at her like she's from the fucking moon. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a – I mean, this is a movie that revels in cliches. But within doing that, it just gets weird. Now, I want to talk to you, Samantha, for a moment mm-hmm. about Christian's father who's off fighting the war in Afghanistan and Iraq or somewhere in, in the universe of this movie. He gets captured. Yeah. But in the process of getting captured – he does something a little unusual. Can you describe what that thing is? Oh, is it the dragonflies? It's the uh-huh. dragonflies. So there's a scene, and he's in. It's 
during the war and there's shooting going on and a lot of violent stuff. And then there he is like tending to his friend and I guess his friend is like the commander and he tells him <laughs> to release the dragonflies which he kind of fights with him about and then they release out of nowhere these like robotic dragonflies <laughs> and, and I don't understand the purpose of them really and why it's even in the movie Oh, and I think there's spiders and dragonflies. Release the spiders and dragonflies. There's oh. also, late in the movie, there's a, a scene that takes place in like a command room, like a military command room, which has like all of this technology in the background and it's all been like green screened in behind these characters. And all the characters are like floating in the foreground with these, but these backgrounds moving all over the place. Like it's something out of like a Tim and Eric sketch or something <laughs> like that. It looks so strange. Uh. But yeah, the military stuff, and again, let, let, we can't really stress this enough. The president of the United States hears about this kid, this 10-year-old, who's okay at soccer. He didn't do this for LeBron James. He's doing it for the soccer kid. He hears that this kid, his father is MIA. So he decides, you know what? We should try harder to find this guy. So, Because otherwise, they're not looking very hard. You know, They got other shit going on, taxes and whatnot. But he's like, this kid is missing his father, and he's good at soccer. Let's try hard to find his father. And they do. Well, so that's what happens there. It's that classic movie mistake where, you know, emotionally in the movie, it makes sense because it's at a point where, you know, the kid really needs to see his father. But it doesn't make sense because the president can't possibly know that. You know, there's no it's not like someone says to the president, oh, by the way, he's living in this asshole's basement who basically is harassing him. You know that as an audience. So you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to find his father. But why would the president hear you mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Think about, like, the sense of how this builds up, which is this kid is on the newspaper, like, the front page of all these newspapers in Michigan. By the way, this movie also takes place in Michigan. And somehow, like, the local news then turns national. We see a national news broadcast, which the president's, like, his, his secretary of state or something is watching on television. And they're like, wow, this kid is great. So this kid is national news now. And they decide to uh, – and the president doesn't, like, contact him directly. They send someone to, like, talk to his mother. So wouldn't this – like, wouldn't all these things connect together not not in a way which would allow, say, Eric Roberts to be taking care of this ch kid? Wouldn't this kid be on, like, The Tonight Show or something mm -hmm. at this point? Wouldn't he be, like, nationally famous if they're doing all these news stories about him? And even, like, once the president mentions him, I love at the very end – this kid is supposed to be playing in this huge packed stadium and Eric Roberts is there with because the, what he does, he just sits next to the coach the whole time. And he's like, oh yeah, no, he wasn't feeling well. I gave him some medication. It didn't really work. So he's not coming. And it's like, do you remember coach that this is the only player who's any good on your team? <laughs> you won't just get massacred by this British team. Like the, the score should already by the time that Christian shows up, it should have been like 30 to nothing. Right. <laughs> It was so ridiculous. But also, I mean, and this is the big mistake the movie makes, which is that we're supposed to care about what happens. But it's impossible to care because this is a golden child. These aren't golden shoes. This is a golden child, which nothing bad can happen to, really. The the small things that, like, he even, Eric Roberts doesn't even really get to steal his shoes. Every time he tries to, Christian is, like, looking at him and making sure that he doesn't. <laughs> when, the <laughs> so when the shoes finally disappear... It's not even Eric Roberts. It's just one of the other kids. So you don't even the kid the Eric Roberts' other sons or twins. 
you get no except for the beginning where they're kind of mean to Christian. You get no read off of them, and then for some reason, one of them just doesn't want to win, and they hide the shoes. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> we could we could get national attention for our soccer team in this packed stadium winning, but instead we want to be humiliated in front of the world, <laughs> right? That's what. And at the end of the game. The kid goes up to Christian, who hit his shoes. He's like, look, Christian, I have your shoes. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't need them anymore because I'm magic altogether. I don't need fucking shoes. God is on my side. <laughs> and, and the kid's like, okay. And Christian should be super fucking pissed because this guy still hid his magic shoes, or at least what he thought were magic. But but no, I also don't understand why uh, Christian's father, who does show up in that very last scene, um, he just stands there while Christian's mother punches Eric Roberts in the face. If she was so aware that Eric Roberts was being an asshole the whole time. Why did she allow her child to live with him? She. We need to play. We got. Sorry, we have to play a sound clip just really briefly of Eric Roberts in this movie, just to give you an idea of the level of dickishness we're dealing with. This is a scene where Eric Roberts and his two children, his twins, they're in. They're taking care of Christian. They take him out to a restaurant and buy him burgers. Little brat isn't appreciative. I guess Chris thinks he's a steak man. Burgers aren't good enough. I want to see mom. I miss my wife, too, but I'll never see her again. So toughen up, kid. You'll see your mom in time. Count yourself lucky I took you in. Eat your burger. The really fucked up thing about this is, why is he keeping Christian from his mother? Like, what benefit? I mean, he's hot for her, for one thing. So how does that help? But, like, what, what is his end game to make this kid miserable just to keep... You think by keeping him with his mother then he would get the kid off his hands quicker and he wouldn't have to deal with him anymore because he doesn't seem to want to anyway. <sighs> Liam, are you still with us? Yeah, I was just, uh, I was allowing time <laughs> for other, because I, 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 I want to like just freak out sometimes when we're talking about this movie. <laughs> so I'm trying to like raid myself in a little bit because it's, and again, the level of, discontinuity I felt between whatever logics are at work in this movie and whatever logics are at work for me in the real world. Uh, that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. In fact, the more annoyed or like frustrated or confused I got, it kind of kept me involved in the movie. I'd be like, well, what the hell was that about? And then I would just get really kind of worked up about it. So it's a bad movie, but it, honestly, and, and, and uh, this might go against what you said, Samantha, I actually find it, I had a good time with it because I was so invested in how strange and fucked up it was. <laughs> I, you know, in some ways, you know, a few episodes ago, we we covered a movie called Stocked by My Doctor, starring Eric Roberts, a Lifetime TV movie, and it was amazing, right? But that movie was kind of knowingly, it knew what it was. This movie has no idea what it actually is. It knows what it thinks it is. It thinks it's an inspirational children's movie. But in reality, it is so clunky and fucked up. And the characters act so disconnected from any people in the real world that it's like watching like a science experiment, right? It's like watching a movie programmed by aliens who had only heard of like 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 someone had described kids' movies to them as like, well, I know all the elements. I'll just put them <laughs> together here. The president will recognize how great this child is, and and you know, and tossing that weird family dynamic behind it too. The idea that it is really just a uh, a, a a way to promote this child who's related to the makers of the movie. It's 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 hard not to be cynical about the whole thing, but it's also I had a good time with it because I was so baffled by the whole thing. <laughs> Eric Roberts, Liam O'Donnell. How is Eric Roberts in 
this movie, Golden Shoes. Fucking amazing. Like, just, it, you know, his role is to just be a prick. Like, he's just a irrationally angry man who does ridiculous things with no explanation. And he just, woo, he owns it, man. Like, he, there's no fear. He just does things that don't make any sense. There's multiple shots of him freaking out on the sidelines during soccer games. <laughs> like, I just, you know, it's not, I mean, he doesn't have the, you know, emotional breakdown he has in the steam experiment, but, but just overall, he's just got this presence that really works for the movie. Even if the movie itself is a giant mess uh, in so many ways. There's a, a bit, a part right after he buys the terrible golden shoes for the child, right? He thinks he's bought him these shitty shoes. The kid's on the sidelines watching the game. He's walking, like the child is walking. A child is walking in front of the bench. Eric Roberts sticks his foot out and trips him up. And then he just looks at him and he goes, nice shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you bought those fucking shoes. You knew what the shoes were. <laughs> he just has no redeemable qualities, which is incredible. Samantha, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Golden Shoes? I think he did what he was written to do. Like, I think he played the role as much as he could what he was given with because what he was given with wasn't very good so I think he he played the mean jerk face jerk that he was supposed to be playing and I think he did it well I honestly I I, yeah I enjoyed watching him it was the only redeemable part of this film he's the only one who seems to be uh, elevating the movie through his performance as opposed to the just the strangeness that he surrounds himself especially I mean to to uh, to the credit of the rest of the cast, he his his part is very straightforward. He's the villain. He just has to be villainous the entire time, but he does it in such a gleeful way that it's actually really fun to watch him. Uh, Golden Shoes is actually really easy to pick up yourself if you want a copy. It actually was released by Anchor Bay, which that's a company that's apparently gone quite downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Was that that old quote? It didn't release. It was it, it didn't get released. It escaped, and that's what happens. You can track down your own copy of Golden Shoes. Samantha, Eric Roberts, is he the fucking man in Golden Shoes? He is the fucking man, a hundred percent, with his weird orange sunglasses that he wears. He is the man, absolutely. <laughs> Liam, can Eric Roberts live up to? The godlike uh, aura of Christian Koza in <laughs> Eric Roberts. Uh, sorry, in Golden Shoes. He is so the fucking man in this movie. I mean, his character wears the same outfit in every scene. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it probably helps that he's one of the only characters who never has to be green screen dropped into the soccer game. Because that's always <laughs> distracting. But no, I mean, he's it's fun. He's great. It's... Uh, it makes a movie that is, in some ways, very painful a little more enjoyable when Eric Roberts gets to do his thing. Of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We will all agree on that. And if you want to see a very strange Eric Roberts performance in a very strange movie, you must check out 2015's Golden Shoes. Final thing I want to mention, because uh, I don't want to miss it, the music in Golden Shoes. It reminds me a lot of the music in A Talking Cat, where like every scene has kind of like bouncy synth music. Like it's not synth, like like it's it's like supposed to sound like a soundtrack. It just adds to the cartoonishness of the whole thing. It's like a it's like a Scooby Doo cartoon <laughs> where every scene is punctuated by music. Do you have any quick thoughts, Liam? Since you're a musical person yourself, you've been in a band, which of course we've heard on this very uh -huh. show. What did you think of the music in Golden Shoes? I mean, it's one of the worst parts. 
I mean, I guess for me, uh, the the worst part is all the special effects, but the soundtrack <laughs> is a second in that thematically the music is mostly unrelated to what's happening in the movie, and it sounds like a loop. It sounds like the same you know, few minutes just over and over and over again. Samantha, what did you think of the music? Oh, it's so awful. Don't they just play the opening theme? Just like, oh, it's just like constantly. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, God. yeah. Not, it doesn't make, it just doesn't make any sense why they would play that music. To, yeah, none of the music matches what's happening in the film. Let's take a little break and we'll listen to some of the music from Golden Shoes which I will absolutely put right after this break. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. We'll, uh, we'll get some plugs in and we'll say goodbye. Join us. Don't clap. Join us after this. The Steam Experiment and 2015's Golden Shoes on episode 23 of Eric Roberts is a fucking man. I want to be, give a giant thank you to Samantha LaPierre, who's been so patient with us in regards to getting this episode out. Samantha, you were a joy. I knew you would be. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you on the internet? Where they where can they find your work? Where can they keep up on the Samantha Lapierre experience? <laughs> the Samantha Lapierre experiment, I think you mean. Um oh, that's what I mean. <laughs> The chaos experience. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, you can find me at Samantha Marg. That's Samantha M A R G. And you can look at my work on my website, which is SamanthaLapierre.ca. And what kind of work will they find You'll there? You'll find my photography. You'll find some of my writing experiments because I just want to keep saying that. Um, basically, I just keep up to date what uh, what I'm pursuing in the future. So, yeah. And if you are a person in Toronto who runs a website or magazine or other place that needs content, well, Samantha will be heading your way soon. So why don't you check her out, check out the work, and hire her and pay her money to write yes, for you. Yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Liam O'Donnell, you're also a person who writes and does all sorts of other content. Sure. Where can people where, where can people find your work when you're not randomly making clapping noises? <laughs> uh, mostly on Cinepunks.com. Uh, that's where you'll... Fun the Cinepunks podcast, Harvest's podcast. Um, I haven't written as much for there, but I, I'm going to be doing more. Um, and I also, you know, usually tweet most of what I'm working on um, on my Twitter account at Liam Rules. That's uh, L I A M R U L Z. Uh, I also work for two fests that are kind of getting off the ground, or rather, uh, one of uh, this is hardcore. We just announced our lineup, so. If you like the yelling and the and the and the aggressive music, you should check that out. Um, tickets just went on sale on Friday, so it sells out pretty quick. So at the end of that, and then I just had one of my first organizational meetings for uh, at the end of the summer is the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest, which I help out with. So uh, if you're in the Chicago area, keep an eye out for that. That's uh, at the end of August. 
And if you do go and listen to Cinepunks, you should check out their store where you can pick up some new Cinepunks t-shirts. Is that correct? It's true. We have a bunch of new shirts. And one of our shirts will be selling in person at X-Fest, which is end of April at the International House in Philly. And we'll have limited edition barf bags to go with them. What? What? Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> of course, you can find you can find out more about me. My writing is over at dailygrindhouse.com, and you can find my uh, tweeting over at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to find out about more, <clears throat> if you want to find more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, go over to ericrobertsistheman.com. Subscribe via iTunes and leave us a review if you'd like. You can also go over to the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Twitter feed at E-R-I-T-F-M. Go on Facebook, search for Eric Roberts is the Man, and join our group for a little behind-the-scenes information, movie clips, trailers, and the like. And, of course, you can contact us directly through uh, through our um, our Facebook group or our Twitter feed or on the website if you want to make suggestions for future movies to cover on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. But that's it. We need to put this episode to bed so Samantha can go watch WrestleMania <laughs> <laughs> so Liam can do whatever he does on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and I can go and uh, get this out for tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, join us soon, just a couple of weeks, for another episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, Say it, everybody. There you go. <laughs> bye bye. Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do 